Hey, welcome to the Dare to Decide podcast, where we take a psychological dive into our everyday decisions that shape our relationships, health, and finances. My name is Marion. I'm a former school psychologist who built a multiple six-figure online business, helping thousands of women transform their health and confidence. This is a podcast for women who don't want to settle for a life that is less than what they know deep down they can create. I believe that to begin building the life you truly want, you are just one decision away. This is an Up Level Your Life podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hey, okay. So a few months ago, I started doing some research for this podcast. So I went on my Instagram stories and I asked one question. What is the most difficult decision you've ever made in your life? And the answers I received were incredible. Everything from moving away from a place you've lived your entire life to changing careers to deciding not to have kids. But I kept seeing one answer pop up over and over again. And that answer was the biggest decision I ever made was to file for divorce. And some shared that they got divorced like over 10 years ago and others were still in the midst of their divorce like they had just filed. Um, I know a thing or two about divorce. Uh, It's nothing to be proud of, but I've been divorced not once, but twice. Yes. And just even saying that is really difficult. If you've been through a divorce, then you might understand. But on today's episode, I wanted to share the story of my first marriage and what it taught me. Uh, My hope is that by me sharing my story, it will help those of you who maybe just need to know that you aren't alone. Divorce is a very lonely experience. At least that was true in my case. Not many people want to talk about it. And frankly, I wasn't okay emotionally to even talk about it myself for a fairly long time. I also hope that today's episode speaks to those of you who have girlfriends um, or family members who are going through a divorce or went through one, that this episode helps you know how to support them. Heck, like even sharing this episode with them will show them that you care. So I come from a very Catholic family where my divorce was seen as this embarrassment in a way. It's just not something you ever think you'll experience. Like divorce is for other people, not me. Uh, My own parents were divorced, and I was 100% adamant that it would never be something I would go through myself. So when I was actually going through my divorce, I felt like I had failed. Like the way our marriage ended was also incredibly humiliating for me. Um, you'll see why in a second. <laughs> but now looking back, I'm I'm grateful in a way because it led me on a path to realize what I am worthy of in terms of a partner and a marriage. So I guess I should just start by acknowledging the title of this episode. I called it when a marriage ends, it's okay. Because I think if someone would have said that simple sentence to me back when I was knee-deep in the divorce, I I probably would have started crying. And not that it took much to make me cry after the divorce, but these would be these would be tears of gratitude, right? Because no one is going around trying to normalize divorce. Um, but the fact is that we make mistakes. As human beings, we make mistakes. And sometimes that mistake is saying yes to marrying someone who really you weren't meant to be married to. They might be the most incredible human being, and you may actually love them, but that does not mean that you should get married. Uh, my first husband is actually, he's a great guy. Like He's got one of those distinctive type laughs where you you know he's in the room 
next door because you hear that awesome laugh. Uh, He is sarcastic. He's funny and extremely laid back. We were actually best friends in college. Uh, We never dated each other during college, which is funny. Um, But he had a serious girlfriend and I had a serious boyfriend. But we hung out as friends all the time. He, I remember he did my statistics homework for me because he was much better at at it than I was um, so that we could go spend time together. And when I studied abroad my junior year, he wrote me more letters than my then boyfriend did. It was it was just always easy with him. And after college, we both moved to Portland and would hang out occasionally on the weekends. And even though we were both now single, I never really thought about dating him. We were more like brother and sister, which is weird. But it, it wasn't like he was entirely like unattractive or anything, but he just wasn't my type. Um, anyway, after a couple years of on and off dating other people, we were at this party and he made, he made a move on me. I don't know if that's what you call it, but he kissed me. It was weird, (laughs) but I had just had my heart broken by this guy that I was in a long distance relationship with. So the, the kiss was weirdly comforting, safe, like he felt safe. So we started a new relationship. And it really wasn't dating because I already knew him. He was my best friend. I already spent weekends at his family's farm. I already knew his his quirks and his flaws. And I already knew his dreams and what he wanted to do in life. So we just kind of started this new chapter in our friendship where we became boyfriend and girlfriend. And having grown up with parents who divorced, I remember thinking, well, gosh, they always say you should marry your best friend. So this must be it, right? I don't know who they is, but that's what they say you should do. Marry your best friend. I also thought, well, if anyone is going to be faithful to me, it'll be him, which is such a bizarre thing to think, right? Here I I was 25 years old and I was basically settling for someone like, oh, at least they won't cheat on me. It's a real high bar. (laughs) But I didn't realize it at the time, but I really had zero concept of self-worth meaning I didn't think I was worthy of real love. Like I'd never seen it growing up. I would see it, yeah, you see it on in movies or I would see my friend's parents kissing and laughing together, which was always so weird to me. Like I was, like I was watching Aliens or something. I just didn't know what to think of it. But I had developed this belief, I guess you'd call it a self-limiting belief, that the type of love, like that real soulmate love was for other people. It wasn't for me. So when he asked me to marry him one night, I said yes. And I, you know, honestly, I think on his part, he was settling as well. And I'm not saying I'm chopped liver, but I don't think if I'm being fair that he was madly head over heels in love with me either. I was a safe option for him too. Like we were basically two kids, two crazy kids with good hearts that we each wanted to have love. And we did love each other, but it was more like a friendship love. Like there was there was no Fifty Shades of Grey type of intensity going down. It was more like one shade of brown, really. Anyway, we got married. The wedding was huge and beautiful. And in looking back on that day, I remember the color of the, the table linens, the flower arrangements, the gold charger plates that I just had to have. But I don't remember any part of the day where he and I had a connection, like at all. It was almost like one of those 
parties we would go to back in college, only like much fancier and way more expensive. But it was like we were hanging out in the same space, having fun, but there was nothing really special about it. We weren't looking for one another across the crowded room to smile at each other and hold each other's gaze for one heated moment. Like there was none of that. It all felt like a production, which it makes sense because I was an event planner at the time. I I think maybe on a subconscious level, I became so uber focused on all the details that I wouldn't have time and space to really ask myself, like, is this really what I want? Like, is is he the one? Uh, anyway, we settled into married life and years passed and we never fought, not even once. Um, he started going out with his friends from work on weekends and I would be home with my dog, Bogey, <laughs> and I would binge watch the Food Network. And then the next day I would make everything I watched the Barefoot Contessa make the night before. Um, I started running and I would run in 5K and 10K races on the weekends. And I did it all alone because what started off as the occasional late night out for him started turning into weekends away. And I remember he went to Las Vegas for a bachelor party. And when he came home, he told me that his wallet was stolen. Um, He had a, a police report in his suitcase. I don't think I was supposed to see it, but I remember reading it and not understanding what I was reading because it sounded like in the report, he had a woman or some girl, he didn't know her name, in his room, and he told the police that she stole his wallet. And I asked him about it, and he said that his friend he was sharing a hotel room with had the girl over. But just just the way he said it and how he changed the subject quickly to something else, it just made me go numb. And that's that's weird because I'm naturally much more of like a firecracker type personality sometimes like I'm I'm a Scorpio but I think that in the moment to even acknowledge the possibility that he had a girl in his room or in his bed was far too overwhelming to even entertain like I mentally could not go there so I so I put it in a little mental black box and I buried it in the far corners of my brain and I was like okay moving on which is not healthy. So about half a year went by until one day I found a small, it's like a round container in the guest bathroom drawer, which is weird because I never went in there. But this today, that one day I did. And it contained like this white powder. And I immediately thought, well, this looks weird. Why would we have a small container of baking soda in the guest bathroom? Like, I had never seen drugs before. I was very sheltered. But as I looked at it, I slow I slowly started to realize like, oh wait, this is what cocaine looks like in movies. So I confronted him about it that night. And again, we didn't fight. He told me that he would flush it and never do it again. And I I said, okay. So several months went by and he started disappearing for entire weekends again. And I remember talking with my friend Bob on the phone one Saturday night, and he asked, like, where's your husband? And I told him how he goes out without me, and I was home alone. And Bob is is older than me and infinitely wiser. And he, I still remember him saying, uh, Marion, that's, that's not normal. And I told him that, well, I don't want to be the wife that nags or holds my husband back. And Bob simply asked, why, 
why wouldn't he want to be with you? You guys are married. It's not holding him back to spend time with you. And I thought about his words all the time over the next several months. I was I was almost always alone. Like my husband had turned into a full-fledged like functioning drug addict by this time and I'm not sure if you've ever if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who has an addiction, but it's an, it's an incredibly painful, awful position and I didn't know how to handle it. So I just kept I kept cooking all this food and decorating the house we had bought. I was basically at like 27 years old, I was basically a desperate housewife, but with no friends to talk to about what's happening because you can't tell people that your husband disappears every weekend and has a cocaine problem. Like, you just can't do that. So you stay quiet and you stay alone. Anyway, it all ended one night. Um, he was out of town traveling for work and it was around 8 p.m. and he texted me to say goodnight and that he was headed to bed because he was exhausted. And so Bogey and I went to bed around 10 p.m. And then all of a sudden, around 11 p.m., my phone rang and I saw his name and I immediately thought something bad had happened. Um, but it turns out he had butt dialed me and didn't realize it. So I proceeded to sit up in bed and listen to the undeniable sounds of him and a girl. And it felt like, even just talking about it, it felt like all oh, the blood in my body was immediately drained from me. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And I listened until I couldn't listen any longer. It's probably like a minute or two. Um, I sat in the bed with my heart just like beating out of my chest, not knowing what to do. So I called him back and he didn't answer. And five minutes later, he called me and I told him what I had heard. And again, we didn't fight. He told me I was hearing things and denied it. But think this is the part where I started to choose me. So I hung up and I walked into the office and I pulled up our phone records. And within the next hour, it was incredibly obvious that my husband had been having an affair. Well, multiple affairs. Um, so I packed a suitcase and Bogey and I left. And that was the last night in that house for me. I I moved into my friend's basement and she force-fed me Triscuits and Gatorade uh, and I couldn't keep anything down. I think I cried every day for the next month or so and I basically turned into like this skeleton with puffy eyes. It was not attractive. But I went to watch my friend's tennis match one day. It was about two weeks after I left. I was at this upscale athletic club in Portland called the Mac and this group of women were sitting sitting near me on the bleachers and I kid you not they were drinking champagne and eating hors d'oeuvres or some sort of snacky poos um, while watching the match and I sat and I watched my friend play while eavesdropping on this these women's conversation and I still to this day think that God wanted me to hear it like God made the butt dial happen and God wanted me to hear this woman talk about how her husband is divorcing her after 30 plus years of marriage and how he cheated on her the very first year they were married and how she should have left him then because he ended up cheating on her throughout their marriage and now is like he was leaving her for some young thing i guess i i filed for a divorce the very next day after hearing that conversation i thought if yeah, I only saw my uh, my ex-husband one more time. Still to this day, I haven't seen or spoken to him. Um, 
It was at the house when I arrived with the movers. He looked at me and said, I looked good. He's like, you look great, which is weird because I had basically eaten one box of Triscuits the past month, but okay. And once again, we didn't fight. I, I got in my car and the movers and I drove away and he never chased me. He never, never tried to win me back. I think we both knew that we weren't supposed to be together. And it, it really had nothing to do with love, right? You can love someone and still shouldn't marry them. Here's the part where I want to normalize ending a marriage. Like we weren't, we weren't meant to be married, but we didn't go into the marriage with bad intentions. Like no one gets married thinking this is going to fail. At least I hope not. And I'm not saying like go ahead and get all get divorced all willy nilly without even trying to make things work. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that it's important for people to do what they need to do to take care of themselves and their children if they have them. And sometimes that is acknowledging that your marriage is not serving either of you. Like back then, I felt so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. I mean, I wasn't even 30 years old and I was divorced. In my eyes at the time, I I was damaged goods. But now I know that's all BS. Like I hope that if you're going through a divorce or have gone through one and you relate to how I felt, that you hear that one sentence. All those labels we put on ourselves with a divorce are complete BS. In fact, I I think sometimes the real failure is choosing to stay in a marriage that is incredibly unhealthy. Like, we have one life on this planet that I know of, um, and we are never stuck somewhere unless we choose to stay stuck. You can still love someone and let them go. You need to love yourself more. And my leaving my first marriage kickstarted my own personal journey in discovering who I was, what I wanted out of life. And I'd make a ton more mistakes. I still do. But that's part of life. And so this podcast is called Dare to Decide, right? And sometimes that decision is to stay and recommit to a marriage that's worth saving. Like if you have that soulmate love for one another deep in your heart, then sometimes that decision, the best decision is to stay. And sometimes the decision is to walk away. Just know that if you do walk away, it's it's going to be okay. I know it's incredibly painful and it feels like your entire world is falling down all around you, but it's going to be okay. I think I think back at that girl that was sitting on the couch all alone on a Saturday night watching Barefoot Contessa and how she was so excited to roast a chicken for her husband Jeffrey because it was his favorite meal. And I feel sad because I, I wanted that type of love. I just first had to decide that I was I was worthy of it. So, and if someone hasn't told you lately, here's your reminder that you are worthy. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If I could just ask one favor, if you enjoyed today's podcast, I would be so grateful if you helped me spread the word over on Instagram. You could tag me in your Instagram stories at Maryberry Fitness so that I can personally send you a DM to say thank you. In addition, every single week, I'll be choosing one person who shared the podcast on Instagram, and I'll be buying you a beverage to show my appreciation. It'll be a Tito's martini or three cups of coffee, your choice. So thank you so much. And until next episode, keep your chin up, those shoulders back and know that you are worthy of more.